Kendrick Castillo was a, known as a friendly, modest and sweet 18-year-old who never ever said a mean joke. He was fascinated by cars and he hoped to become an engineer like his father. But in May of this year, everything changed. It was a few days before his graduation at Colorado High School and Kendrick was sitting in an English class watching a movie with all of his fellow students when two other teenagers walked into his classroom and pulled out guns. And without a thought for his own safety, Kendrick leapt from his desk and charged the two attackers. But tragically, he was shot and killed. But his courageous actions gave his classmates time to get underneath the desks and then to run across the room to escape. Within minutes, the two gunmen had been arrested by police officers and all eight people were injured, with Kendrick being the only one who was killed. But authorities have declared that Kendrick's selfless sacrifice was the reason that the death toll was not much higher. He gave his life so that others could live. This young man is a powerful example of the capacity for people, for kindness and generosity and even selfless sacrifice. But he and many others like him remind us of a much greater act of selfless sacrifice. And this is what Jesus predicted in our next passage in John chapter, uh, John chapter 10 when he described himself as the good shepherd. So we're going to read these verses. John chapter 10, verse 11, uh, and ver- down to verse 21. John chapter 10, verse 11. This is Jesus speaking. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. For when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there should be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me. But I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. At these words the Jews were again divided. Many of them said he is demon possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said these are not those sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes 
of the blind. Last week we looked at the picture Jesus painted from the world of the shepherd. We thought how the villages usually had a common sheep pen that a number of shepherds would use to keep their sheep in at night. So one pen would contain a number of different flocks. And in the morning, each shepherd would come to the gate and call out his sheep into his flock. And we saw how Jesus applied this picture to himself by saying, I am the gate for the sheep. And last week we were thinking about how this taught us that Jesus is the only entrance into the flock of God's people. He is the only way to salvation. He is the only way to true freedom. He's the only way to life. But this wasn't the only teaching that that Jesus wanted to bring out of that picture of the shepherd and the sheep pen and the sheep. So he went on as we read in verse 11 to say, I am the good shepherd. He's not only the gate through which the sheep have to pass to enter into God's flock, he's also the shepherd of that flock. So earlier when describing the picture of the sheep pen, Jesus said in verse 2 and 3, The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of a sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him. As the true shepherd, Jesus is the one who came to the sheep pen, the nation of Israel, and he came to that nation by the gate, by the appointed way. He came the way that the scriptures promised. His birth, his life, his ministry, his death, his resurrection were all in fulfillment of all those Old Testament prophecies that the scriptures contain. So Jesus is not a self-appointed shepherd. Like all the false shepherds of his day who claimed a position and authority that they didn't deserve. Instead, Jesus was appointed by the Father as the true shepherd of a sheep. And I think we've seen that numerous times as we've been going through John's Gospel. Jesus emphasized this. For example, in John chapter 5, he says this, The very work the Father has given me to finish, and which I am doing, testifies that the Father has sent me. Jesus was not doing just his own work more fully he was doing the work of his father the father the work that his father had done had given him to do and so because Jesus is the true shepherd the appointed shepherd by God Jesus said here the sheep listen to his voice he calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out God's sheep Listen to Jesus because he is the shepherd. God's sheep listen to Jesus because he is the shepherd. Many of the Jews, especially those who were in the leadership positions of that nation, had rejected Jesus. Even by the end of this teaching, as we read in verse 20, many of them said about him, he is demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? They refused to accept that Jesus was the appointed shepherd of his people, of God's people. 
They refused Jesus' call. And as a result, they declared themselves outside of God's flock. This is what Jesus said later in this chapter. We'll be looking at that in a couple of weeks' time. He said to the Jewish leadership, You do not believe because you are not my sheep. They were outside of God's kingdom. They were separated from him. And this was demonstrated by their rejection. Of Jesus. But those who listen to Jesus' voice, they are called to be part of God's flock. Whatever their race, whatever their background, whatever their behaviour. We mentioned that last week, verse, verse 16. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen, that are not of the nation of Israel. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice. And there shall be one flock. And one shepherd. Jesus calls his sheep from every nation, every tribe, every people into one flock, one holy nation, one community, one church. This is God's big plan for humanity. Through Christ. To call people from all the nations and all the backgrounds and to unite them together as one. Remember John's vision of heaven in Revelation chapter 7? He said, a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people and language standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb and they cried out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God. Who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And this morning, we have a little taste of that, don't we? I don't know how many, line, how many different uh, cultures are, are represented here this morning. We've, of course, got Irish who are in mourning because of the obvious study or the day before. Then we have Scottish. Who else? South African. Croatian. Latvian. English, from people from Cornwall who are their own separate nation, <laughs> Polish of course, all of us from all these different places, all these different backgrounds and you know, our, our, our nation is just one part of that, all different kinds of backgrounds, all different kinds of experiences, all different kinds of, of lifestyles that we're coming from and yet Jesus has called us all. To belong to this one flock. Under one shepherd. To be part of this one community. And so our part in that kingdom. If we want to be part of that kingdom. Then it is is revealed by how we respond to Jesus. We cannot depend on our background or our upbringing, or our respectable lives, or our religious activity, if we refuse to listen to Jesus' call, then if we do not put our trust in Jesus, then no matter what our background or what our behaviour, then we're not part of God's kingdom. We're not part of God's flock if we reject Jesus. But if we have responded to Jesus' call, if we have believed in Jesus, then we are accepted as a sheep. No matter who we are, or where we're from, 
or what we have or haven't done. All that matters is whether we've accepted Jesus, whether we've responded to Jesus or not. So the most important question that we'll ever answer in our lives is, have we listened to his voice? Have we answered his call? And if we have, then our lives will be transformed. Our lives will then be all about following Jesus. His sheep follow him because they know his voice. This is the defining characteristic of what the Christian life is all about. The Christian life is not primarily about being part of a church community. It's not about meeting regularly for worship and Bible study. It's not primarily about living a life of good works or generosity or kindness. It's not primarily about living a respectable, upright and honourable life. It is first and foremost about following Jesus. Jesus' call to each one of us is come, follow me. Now I know that's such an obvious thing to say on a Sunday morning in church. But the reality is we can so easily forget that. So easily get distracted from that. Christianity is about Christ. It's about listening to His voice. It's about trusting in His salvation. It's about walking in His ways, depending on Him for guidance and protection and leaning on Him for support. It's about accepting Him as the shepherd of our lives. And that's far, far more than just putting your hand up and saying you trust in Jesus one day. Or saying a little prayer one day. It's an ongoing reality in our lives. We're supposed to be following Jesus each day. But of course this brings such a wonderful encouragement. If our lives are all about following Jesus, then he isn't sending us out into this world on our own. He has already gone before us because we are following him and he is going with us. And we can walk in the security of knowing that the Good Shepherd is with us every step of the way. I wonder what difference that makes to us on a Monday morning. Whenever we we launch into that Monday morning, what difference does it make to say to ourselves, I'm not alone in this. Jesus is with me. I'm following him. He's guiding me looking after me, providing for me, protecting me. What difference would it make in our lives to keep that at the very forefront of our minds that each day we are following Jesus, our Good Shepherd? But this means that the heart of Christianity is not about church services. It's not about ministries. Certainly not about organisations. The heart of Christianity is about a relationship with Christ. This is what Jesus said in verse 14. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep. And my sheep know me. We're not left guessing with Jesus. 
if we have trusted in Him, then He knows that we belong to Him. And He wants us to know that too. He wants us to know that we're in a relationship with Him and to be sure of that relationship with Him. This is why John wrote his first letter. He says this in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. So that you may know that you have eternal life. Jesus wants us to know Him and to know that we know Him. It's about a certainty, a security in that. And this knowledge of Jesus isn't a knowledge about Jesus. It's not a, a distant knowledge. You know how you can know about a certain film star or a, or, or a sports star and you can know about them. You can know what they eat for their breakfast or you know what they wear or you know where they live and all of that kind of stuff. But you've never met them so you don't know them. You don't have a personal relationship with them. But look how Jesus wants us to know him. Verse 15. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. Now that's going to blow your mind, isn't it? From eternity past, the relationship with Father and Son has always been one of intimacy and love. They have been fully known and fully known each other. And Jesus wants our relationship with Him to reflect His relationship with His Father. He wants us to know Him as He knows the Father and the Father knows Him. So Jesus is talking about a loving, deep, personal connection with His people here. He's talking about the deepest of friendships, the sweetest of fellowships, Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. This is the life to the full we were talking about last week, isn't it? It's about knowing Jesus. All the other stuff is secondary to that. To knowing Him. So this is what it means to be a member of Jesus' flock. It means we've accepted his right to be our shepherd, to be our leader. It means we've heard his voice and we've responded to his call. It means we're following his guidance and walking in his footsteps. And it means we have that personal relationship with Jesus. But all of this is possible only because of the willing sacrifice of the shepherd. Verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Jesus here was looking forward to the cross where he would become sin for us so that we could experience his righteousness. Where he would take our death sentence so that we could enter into his life. Where he would be separated from God, his Father. So that we could know God, 
intimately. This is the mind-blowing reality. The good shepherd is also the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This sacrifice was absolutely necessary for the kingdom to, to come and this new life to be made available to us. But it was the voluntary choice of the shepherd. Did you see how Jesus emphasized this? Verse 18, no one takes it from me, no one takes my life from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. The cross was not an accident. It was not the tragic defeat of a good man in the face of overwhelming evil forces. Jesus was not a helpless victim at the hands of Judas or Caiaphas or Pilate or the Sanhedrin. Instead, Jesus, as the good shepherd, willingly, voluntarily chose to lay down his life. Because there was no other way to save us. Yes, the cross was brutal and horrific. And in the Garden of Gethsemane, three times Jesus prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Jesus anticipated the agony, the humiliation, the shame, the sin, the separation from his father. Everything within him recoiled from that. But Jesus was not dragged to the cross against his will. He knew that this is why he'd come. We'll see when we get to John chapter 12, how Jesus prayed, Now my heart is troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. No. It was for this very reason I came to this hour. Jesus freely chose the cross. He voluntarily chose to take our blame. He chose to suffer our pain. He chose to become sin for us. Why was that? Why would anybody do that? Well, it's because the good shepherd cares deeply for his sheep. That's what makes him stand out from those whom he calls the hired hands in this passage. The hired hands, they're just people who are paid to look after the sheep. They don't have any deep commitment to those sheep. They don't have any deep care for them. They're just doing a job. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. The man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. To them, looking after the sheep is just a job. To do the work. As long as there's something in it for them. As long as they get something out of it. But when the, tough, when the going gets tough, when the work gets too demanding, too costly, well, they run. But to Jesus... Being a shepherd is not a job. We are not a duty to him. He doesn't have to look after us just because he's supposed to. He genuinely cares for us. He deeply loves us. We are valuable to him. 
And so he was willing to do everything it took to save us. Jesus didn't run from the cross. On the cross, the religious leaders, the the hired hands of Jesus' day, they sneered at Jesus. He saved others. Let him save himself if he is the Christ of God, the chosen one. How little did they know? They didn't know that Jesus was choosing not to save himself so that he could save us. The ones he loved. Even to death. But we're not just loved by Jesus. We're doubly loved here. That's because Jesus' love for us is also the expression of our Father's love for us. Do you see in verse 17? Jesus said, the reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life. This is how much the Father loves us and values us. He delights in His Son because His Son was willing to lay down His life for us. Father and Son were united in the mission of the cross because they were united in their unlimited, unconditional and unending love for us. So the cross is unique in its power and significance. It's the only means through which we can be saved. And it stands out in this world as the unique example of love. But as believers, it also provides us an example for us to follow. We can never go to the length, the depth of the cross. But we are supposed to look to the cross and learn how we should live. In particular, Christian leadership is described in the Bible as following in the footsteps of the Good Shepherd. So Peter wrote, Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, serving as overseers, not because you must, but because you are willing as God wants you to be. So just as Jesus is the good shepherd, so the the leaders in the church, they should also be shepherds of God's flock. So that's that's primarily directed to church leaders. But just in case I'm the only one who's sweating up here, the principle is the same for each one of us. Whenever we are called to lead others, in our family, in business, in our community, or in our church, we are called to walk in the footsteps of the Good Shepherd. This is what leadership looks like for Christians. It's not about being the boss. It's not about getting people to serve you. It's not about being able to dodge all the stuff you don't want to do to get somebody else to do it. Instead, we are called to voluntarily lay down our lives for others. To care for those that we lead. To serve their needs rather than our own. To be willing to pay the ultimate price for their good. This is what John wrote. This is, what we, what, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. As sheep 
We're called to walk in the footsteps of the Good Shepherd who loved us and gave himself for us. But this morning, just as we close, we're, we're not just here to celebrate that Jesus is our willing sacrifice. We're here also to rejoice that he's our living saviour. Jesus confidently declared here in verse 18 about his life, I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. Just as Jesus had the authority to lay down his life, he also has the power to take it up again. Death could not hold him. The grave could not keep him. And this glorious resurrection declared that his sacrifice was accepted. His payment for our sins was sufficient. And his work was completed. So he was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. But it also means that we can continue to depend on him for our security and our salvation. Because Jesus lives forever, Hebrews chapter 7 says, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him. Save completely those who come to God through him. Because he always lives to intercede for us. We'll see this in more detail in chapter 10. I was so tempted to go on to the next bit, but I'll need to hold off because it's some of my favourite verses in there. Jesus is the good shepherd who lays down his life for us, but he's also the good shepherd who watches over us, who leads us safely, who holds on to us securely. Throughout all of our lives, until he'll welcome us safely home. This is the good shepherd. But it's also this glorious resurrection that also reveals to us the true identity of the good shepherd. Paul wrote in Romans chapter 1 that he was declared with power to be the son of God by his resurrection from the dead. And we'll see as we get to the, eventually get to the end of this gospel that the resurrection of Jesus is the ultimate miraculous sign that points us to who Jesus is so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Jesus has the good shepherd and the power to lay down his life and the power to take it up again because the Lord is my shepherd. So here we have it folks. Jesus is the good shepherd, the willing sacrifice and the living saviour. He cares for his sheep. He laid down his life for them. He calls them. He leads them. And he will not lose one of them. So have you accepted Jesus as your good shepherd. Do you know that you are part of his flock? Do you have that security and that certainty? 
Are you living in the joy and the, and the, and the, and the, just the happiness of knowing that He is with you through it all? Are you following Him wherever He leads?